stand up and join us in singing number 400 in your blue hymnal, Santo, Santo, Santo. 400. Welcome to chapel. We're so glad to see all of you here. We especially want to welcome our prospective students and their families who are visiting. And every week, yes. <laughs> every week at chapel, we make it a point to pass the peace at the beginning or to greet those around you. And today we want to focus on where people come from, acknowledging that we don't always know where each other comes from, but we have all gathered here together. So as you greet people around you, you might ask them where they're from. Hi, you can stand up again and <laughs> We welcome you to join us in singing a Spanish song, which directly um, in Spanish is just means, um, I don't know what you came for, but I came to praise God. And we also just wanted to share that um, this song is about kind of, we don't know what all brought us together. I was just chatting with people about what brought me to Goshen from Kansas. We don't know what all brought us here, but we're all here to be together. And in this case, we're here to praise God.
Sorry, please stand up one more time. We're, we have another hymn to sing. We're going to sing number 307 in the blue hymnal. Will you let me be your servant? Do. There's an E. seated. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap, and yet your Father in heaven feeds them. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can you, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and you, your heavenly Father, knows all you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now uh, we welcome Maria Sanchez de Chirac to share her faith story with us. Um, it is so funny that I feel a little bit nervous and I have been teaching here for so many years. I mean, to me, it's four years here and almost nine years in my country. But still talking about God sometimes is kind of hard and uh, make me nervous, especially because I will share with you three stories of three experiences uh, in my life since I was 13 years old. Um, so service. I first became a teacher when I was 13 years old. I left my home and my parents to go live with two poor rural families. I spent the next six months being a teacher, teaching them how to read and write. Not just the children, but also three adults who were in the ages between 50 and 60 years old. Many nights I cry, of course I was 13, to sleep, missing my parents and wondering if I had made the right choice. Being 13 and leaving home to go to teach adults how to read and write was not normal in any country, either in my country, except for 1980 in Nicaragua. It wasn't just me who did this, but nearly nearly 100,000 other Nicaraguans, mostly high school and university um, and college students. Who else besides students are idealistics? Enough to think that they can change the country through voluntary service. We did, and we proved to the world what students are capable of. This was 1980, and in Nicaragua, a 14-year-old dictatorship had just came to an end. The government didn't represent the interests of many of us very well. There were few schools, and half of the adults did not know how to write and read. In rural areas, for example, where I went, was, uh, was often as high as 90% of illiterate. So when the Somoza government fell, most of us, Nicaragua, fell free for the first time in our history. And we began to believe things were possible like had never been possible before. We believe our country also can do many things for ourselves and not to expect any, anyone else to come to do what we can do. So we decided to teach them how to read and write to our own people. We were going to do it ourselves. So the nearly 100,000 volunteers were like me, age 13 or older, and we gave up part of our school year to do this service that was called the National Literacy Crusade. We received special uh, classes uh, how to teach 
these uh, our people. And we were sent out with textbooks. Let me show you one picture. And so we were sent to teach with textbooks a small blackboard in shock. We did not have you know, markers like we do have here. The first time I taught adults, I was afraid and excited. I mean, I was 13 years old. I was with other volunteers my age, but later I found I was by myself living with a family. I hadn't known before, sad and missing my own parents. It was very hard. What Goshen student experienced going in SST, living with a host family, or in this, their service, is like what I experienced there. Part of what inspired me to do this was, for example, my mamita, how do we call my grandma, who had always impressed me with the example of service she demonstrated. She was a devoted Catholic, although our church I had not learned about the value of service, I learned, it, I learned it firsthand from my grandma. And now I was finding out that it could be really, really hard. I wanted to go home, but I, wanted to, but I didn't want to give up. By the end of the five months, I was ready to go back home to my real family. Now I look back to that experience with deep appreciation because through our sacrifice, we did change our country. The United Nations, which monitored the literacy crusade and verified the result, uh, showed us that from 50% of people that couldn't write or read were came to a certain percent. We did a good job. We changed the life of many people there and volunteer also had our life changes in the process. We didn't change only their life, they changed our life as well. I learned that service, service, serving people, regardless of where they are from, was more rewarding than material things. This influenced the next direction in my life. At the age of 16, I decided I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, so I went to a special high school for teacher training. Then when I was 18, in 1985, I was sent with a group of 70 more teachers assigned to a rural areas to, the, uh, to a department called Chontales. These areas were a very remote place in Nicaragua. Then I taught uh, this more remote than when I was in the literary crusade. And I experienced a poverty that was even more extreme. But this helped me to identify more with people uh, with fewer privilege in my country. I began to understand more about their suffering and I also learned about the injustice of the Somoza dictatorship, dictatorship. Spiritually, I learned that believing the word of God means to sacrifice our own selfishness. 
Sometimes that is difficult to do. My work placement was El Camastro. That is the name of where I was assigned to be. A farming cooperative that was home to three related families. I taught eight to 10 children through first to fourth grade in one room. And in Spanish we call multigrado. All in one room a schoolhouse with a dirt floor. And I remember there was a lot of fleet too because during the night animals used to sleep there. Just like SST, SST students live with the host families on service, I live with one of the families in the farmers' cooperative. I remember they always treated me with respect because I was the teacher, an important person from the city living with them. But the only thing that they didn't realize is that they were teaching me more than I was teaching them. They didn't have any luxury items like a TV or electricity. But the most important things for them was to work the land, spend time together as a family, and share stories with their children. Their conversations were not about gossip. They talked about the animals and the woods. I remember living, having a mountains in front of my house. And how the crops were growing. I didn't hear them complaining despite their poverty. As long as they have food and their children will learn how to read and write. They live a very simple life in humility. And that made a profound impression on me. Now, when I hear the word in Matthew 6, which I chose, that were read at the beginning of this chapel, that were read at the beginning of this chapel, about the body being more than clothes, and about not worrying about possession, I think of my host family in El Camastro. During this time, there was a war going on in Nicaragua. A guerrilla organization called the Contras was trying to overthrow the, the new government in Nicaragua. I learned that my host family had moved to this farm after they were attacked by the Contras the year before. My host uncle, my host uncle, was single because his wife had been killed and one of his children, too. His daughter, um, who was seven years old, had half of her arm amputated after being wounded by several pieces of shrapnel during the attack. They had moved here to get away from the contrast and to continue with their life in peace. Unfortunately, we heard of the contra-attack getting closer and closer where we live in our farm. Those of us who were teachers in the area 
hear that we were targeted for being abducted or killed because we were teaching and that we, our job was representing the government. So as an employee of the government, we were a target as well. Although it was dangerous in my new assignment, I knew I wanted to escape and help campesinos, peasants, uh, live like my host families there. Our worst, fear, our worst fear were realized when the contra guerrillas attacked our farm one day of May at noon. But a strange twist, uh, twist of faith, I was not there when the attack happened. One day every month, I had to travel to the nearest uh, place called Santo Domingo to pick up my monthly payment, my monthly pay. And I had left the farm that morning, a few hours, the contrast, a few hours before the contrast arrived and attacked our homes. I did not find out about the attack until the next morning when I was waiting at the bus stop in town for a ride back to the farm. And when I say a bus stop, actually it's, it's not a bus stop like here. It was a rural area and basically the transportation was just those big trucks who carry cattle, the, the cows, okay? So there is no bus there. So I want you to imagine how that was. My supervisor came running to tell me not to go back. Indeed, I was never, I was never uh, was able to go back. The contrast had burned everything to the ground. They had also killed my host father and all the, all the family's animals. They also abducted my host uncle and killed him after torturing him. My host family later told me that the Contras had asked for me, and they had told them I was gone in town, so they knew I was there. After finishing my, my teaching assignment, I decided to go to the university and become a journalist. Five years later, in 1990, I was working with UNICEF and got an assignment to go cover the desmobilization of the Contras in the rural area's town of El Almendro. The war was being ended by a peace agreement, and the United Nations peacekeeping troops were overseeing the desmobilization of the Contras guerrillas in several parts of the country. Doug or Douglas, who later became my husband, who was also working as journalist at the time, was going to the same location. And we traveled together. As Doug and I arrived to town, we saw dozens, then, then thousands, and perhaps, uh, perhaps thousands of contrast gorillas pouring in from all directions. I felt scared. I felt scared because I was realizing who might they, maybe one of them will know me or recognize me and will kill me. These were the gorillas that had killed my host father and uncle. Looking at their guns, 
And knowing they had asked for me after attacking my host family, I was afraid they would try to kill me. But my job that day was different, was to interview them. So I got out my tape recorder and started interviewing. I learned that many of them did not know what they had been fighting for. They were full of political propaganda and words of leaders who taught them to fight. I had thought of them, or I always saw them or had the image of them as being monsters. But then interviewing that during the interview those days, I saw that they were in many ways people like me. People like my family in El Camastro. That they, they were tired uh, of being fighting in the war. That they just wanted to go back to their home and get on, my, on their own life, and, and get on with their life. There was a, this, uh, the mobilization ceremony and the United Nations troop to the AK-45. The AK-45 rifle and cut them into pieces with blood torches. I found it amazing that people who had been fighting with so much hatred could have changed and turned over their gun, guns so that peace could begin. Many young people my age had died in the world on both sides, and now it was ending. For a while in my country, there were more females than male because many of our young people died. The experience made me believe that Christ really was there. Some of the contrasts were crosses around their necks, and they say they believe in God, as I did. This day taught me tolerance toward those who disagree with me, especially with political issues. And I, know, and I will finish making, making a quotation lately, um, because I have been reading a lot about St. Francis of Assis. And I have twice, I have had the privilege of visiting Assisi in Italy and learning about St. Francis. Although I had heard from him when I was a child growing up in a Catholic church, I didn't realize until I visited his hometown that he incarnated the values this life experiences had taught me in Nicaragua, service, humility, and peace. I remain Catholic, but now that I am married to a Mennonite, Mennonite and work at a Mennonite college, I appreciate that it values service, humility, and peacemaking also are important in this place where I work. It has been rewarding to take students from Goshen to Nicaragua for SSD and see them experience and learn from my own culture.
Ayas, my friend. Naum Serrato from uh, El Buen Pastor to sing uh, a special song about peace. Naum came to the United States when he was 13 years old. No mother, no father. He was by himself. So, in many ways, he reminded me who I was when I was 13. So, um, and he also reminded me of my people of Nicaragua. Okay. I didn't need someone to, to sing a song just to sing it. I just wanted to be also, to be meaningful to me. And he uh, was practicing, and um, we will hear him now. Okay. And also, um, I want you, if you can um, help and sing the chorus or el coro with him too as well. Okay, um, it would be nice if you guys tried to help me with the choral songs. I'm, I'm a student for the adult program and the organizational leadership in Goshen College, and uh, I'm a little, a little nervous here today, but it would be beautiful if you tried to help me here too. today. So, it's in Spanish, and it would be, uh, I'm gonna sing the first part, and you guys, all of can we can, uh, it talk about peace, justice, and service, and I'm here, nervous, but... It's okay. Look at me, shake it. Okay. So, you guys gonna help me? If you guys gonna help me, that would be brilliant. Thank you. All right. Si yo miro al fondo de tus ojos tiernos se me borra el mundo con todas sus guerras Se me borra el mundo y descubro paz Cuando me zambullo en tus ojos tiernos Todos Ojos de cielo, ojos de cielo No me abandones en pleno vuelo Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz No me a mi vida por ese sueño Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz Si yo me olvidara de lo verdadero si yo me alejara de lo más sincero tus ojos de paz me lo recordaran si yo me alejara de lo más sincero ojos de cielo, ojos de paz no me abandones en pleno vuelo Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz, toda mi vida por ese sueño. Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz. Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz. Si el sol que me alumbra se apagará un día, si una guerra oscura ganará mi vida tus ojos de paz me iluminarían tus ojos sinceros mi camino y guía 
Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz, todas millones en pleno vuelo. Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz, toda mi vida por ese sueño. Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz, ojos de cielo, ojos de paz. Again. Ojos de cielo, ojos de paz, oh me abandones en pleno vuelo. Ojos de cielo, ojos de cielo. You're supposed to be helping me, guys. Seriously? Okay. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Naun. Next week, from Tuesday at 10 a.m. until chapel on Friday, we will be having a prayer odyssey, um, which is around-the-clock prayer. Um, so you can sign up for time slots, either by following the link on the communicator, or we'll have um, an iPad available up front here um, after chapel. And now, go into the world doing what the Lord requires, living with kindness and justice, walking your path humbly with God then you will find yourselves blessed. Know that yours is the kingdom of heaven, yours the strength and mercy of God, yours all the blessings given to God's beloved children. Go in peace.